ever have a sinus headache? Sinusitis? You ever have that? You ever have an infected sinus? It's sort of like a vacuum inside your head, sucking this way. So, your attention is getting jet streamed that way. If you just let it go, it'll take you right where you're from. <laughs> really. <laughs> it's, got a, it's in the right direction, but it tends to circulate on this physical, but it's going in the right way, in a way. <coughs> it's right now our interest and attention is sort of directed and defined by the format we're in, yeah? We seem to be the subject and everything's an object to us. And we're perceiving things, like the Course in Miracles says, uh, projection first and then perception. But in our daily experience, it seems like perception comes first, yeah? So I perceive something, and my perception of that something is that, that it's a solid, separate, inherently qualified object, let's say, yeah? And that's the way the perception works. So, but what the Course in Miracles was trying to imply was there's a projection first, and then that projection sets up a situation, and then there's the perception of it, yeah? The perception of it is, it's sort of like the perception of the dream is, is defined by the dreamt object, yeah? So, if I'm identified as a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, yeah? This, uh, which is comprised of a lot of old ideas and, and, and uh, drenched in time and all like that, if that's the starting point, yeah, that's actually the beginning of the dream. You're already in the dream in a sense, yeah? If there's a feeling of when a thought is seen that you're the thinker of it or it's about you, that's, just, that's the feeling of the product already happened, right? The mental process of selfing has already produced the feeling of being a self. Yeah? And what happens is we're not privy to the process. We, we wake up seemingly at the end of the process, the feeling of being Paul. Yeah? And from there, from this feeling of being Paul, everything is seen as something solid outside of myself, yes? And if you rely on your perceptions and your thoughts and your feelings and they're construed as yours, that's just the bondage of self. Yet, self can't get out of self. So, the dreamt object can't leave the dream because it's only appearing as it's appearing in the dream. Yeah, It can't leave as it's appearing and be something somewhere else, yeah? Because inherently it's just an appearance that's a production, yeah? It's not like an alpha and omega. It's not inherently so. It appears to be so. Yeah? And that appearance to be so, it's sort of like the projector of the light of the dreamt object has to constantly be on to keep projecting the dreamt object. If something got in the way of the light and, the dreamt, and that light wasn't projecting, the dreamt object, you wouldn't know what the fuck was going on. You wouldn't know who it was going on to. And actually, that's an incredible place, not knowing. Yeah? But so, the perceptions are defined by the format that we seem to be in. We're not trying to get out of the format. We're just questioning who's in the format. Yeah. Because any attempt to get out of the format could be construed as self trying to get out of self. Yeah? And it's been shown in my own experience, a lot of others, that self can't get out of self because whenever self gets out of self, that's self, in a way. Yeah? When self leaves what it thinks is bothering it, that's the source of the bother, is what left. Yeah? It's giving this thing the attributes of having the ability to affect it. Like it says in the Course, it's a beautiful line. It says, you and I are dreaming this dream but we forget we're, we're dreaming it, and we've given everything we dreamt all the power to affect us. It's a beautiful statement, yeah? So we're dreaming this dream, but we forgot we're the dreamer. We've taken ourselves to be the dreamt, yeah? We're taking ourselves to be the dreamt object. From that point, it looks like that situation or that thing has an inherent quality, and it has a quality to be able to really affect us, yeah? From the other position of not being the dreamt object, you see that the mind is dreaming. It's dreaming all of this in a sense. It forgets it's the dreamer, the dreaming, and it takes itself to be the dreamt. 
And in that, it gives everything it's dreaming the power to affect it as the dreamt object. Not to affect mind, yeah? But to affect what's appearing to be us. In other words, this is what gets affected. The conditional mind is what gets affected. The nervous system gets affected. The emotional system gets affected. But the essence of mind doesn't get any, has no, nothing can affect it, especially from something that's not real. Something that's not real inherently has no effect. All its effects appear to be so, but they need a someone to appear to be so too. Yeah, That's our role. This place appears to be so, but would it actually appear to be so if it wasn't appearing to be so to you? I don't know. I'd ask that question. Yeah. <laughs> really? I mean, if you look like at problems, let's say you had 50 problems the last month, but there was one you that had them. Yeah. Now, we tend to spend a lot of time on the problems, but why not put a little time to the you that's having the problems? The you that's having the problems has a big role in the reality of the problem. Yeah? A problem that's not had loses its power quite a lot. Yeah? A problem seen as a problem is much different than if it's seen as my problem. If it's seen as my problem, that becomes a huge problem. And part of the problem is all the solutions we try to apply to it. It just sort of exasperates the sense of wanting to get out. Yeah? The, the drive to get out exasperates the idea that you're in. I'm just, just throwing this little possibility out. Maybe you're not in what you think you're in. And if you're not in what you think you're in, the drive to get out will change a lot. And you may find that the feeling of being out of it is produced it's not produced because it's already so. The feeling of being out of it is the realization you never were in it. Yeah. The realization you were never in it is the only stabilized sense of being out of it. Anytime you feel like you did something to get out of it, you will also believe you can do something to get back in it. So there's no, it doesn't stabilize as a condition. It's just an experience, yeah? I felt really out of myself today, but you probably feel you're really in yourself that night. Yeah? They accentuate. The being out and the being in are symbiotic. They accentuate. It's really juicy, the experience of being out of self, when it's been really juicy, the experience of being in self. Yeah? I mean, when you're really in self, to have an experience of being out of it is freaking great. It's like climbing Mount Everest without having to go through all the altitude sickness, you know? Oh, man, I feel so great. I was, I think, really in myself today, and now I'm out of myself. But then, for it to feel really great to be out of yourself, there has to be a, re a reality given to being in self, yeah? It's like, an, if you look like any addiction, it's just like shooting drugs in a way. It's just more subtle. For you to get a really good hit on that drug of relief from anxiety, you've got to have a whole bunch of anxiety first. Yeah? you got to really feel totally contracted to get off on feeling expanded, yeah? So the, the mind has to really get involved in feeling really, really bad to get a really great hit of feeling good. Yeah? It's like a, it's like a, a three-part drug, yeah? All right, I'm going to really feel shitty. I'm going to tell myself a terrible story. And then when it doesn't come to pass, I'll feel incredibly relieved. That imaginary storm just passed me by. I didn't get wet at all. Hallelujah. And the mind goes, oh, I like to feel that way. All right, well, let's get bummed out. <laughs> let's get bummed out and really get bummed out. So when I buy that dope of feeling good, it'll feel great. If you felt great, shooting up feeling great, wouldn't it be so great? Really. If you didn't, the mind works on comparisons. If it didn't have something to compare it with, it couldn't really paint it with such contrast. It's like in a little mental artist, yeah? So it has to have the palette of shittiness to make it feel, oh, this feels so great not to be in the shittiness. But what would happen is, happen if you were never truly in the shittiness? The experience of feeling great would be gone, but the state of, of relaxation would be in taking its place. It's a whole different ballgame. You leave the arena of yes and no, close and far, 
feeling good and bad, and you now play another game, you're still appearing in the same uniform, and you're still at the same stadium, but a whole new game's going on, where what you have drive, driven to try to get, only to lose, now is like a state you live from. Yeah. So in like recovery, we talk about an irritable restlessness and discontent as the, like the in, inherent underpinnings of active addiction. You just don't feel okay. And so there's a huge imperative to feel better. Yeah? You're always looking to get another hit in some way. But always to go back to the same, con- same condition of feeling like irritable, restless, and discontent. If that's in place, what's the mind's uh, reaction to that? Seeking, obviously. And because it takes itself to be the boss or the navigator or the manager or the owner of this life, it now, it now rests on it to deliver the goods, which it can't do. It's a failed system. Yeah? So now it's constantly seeking to get relief from this inherent condition that's not an inherent condition. It's produced. It's produced by mind losing the sense of its own nature, not losing it, but losing the sense of it by becoming identified with a physical nature. Something that's of time, that can be affected here by other things, yeah? And it's consumed about how can I manage, how can I run this gauntlet, you know, how can I run the hallway of shit and fans and not get so much shit on my face? So if you only get like five times shit in your face, you think that's success. But I mean, the level where you started from was like negative 20. Yeah? I mean, success, to me, when I was using, when I was a kid, I wanted to be like a marine biologist. After a few years of action, active addiction, my idea of success was not to be arrested. That's not a very high bar. Seriously. I thought I was doing great if I wasn't incarcerated. That's like a very, very low bar. <laughs> of, of like a quality of life you know what I mean I mean Jesus but once something takes you over if you want to call it a parasite or I like to call it a parasite it's not a parasite but it has parasitical tendencies because it doesn't it never thought a thing but it claims the thinking it never had a body but it says it's my body it doesn't really it doesn't exist in time so it, it, it claims time to appear to exist. Yeah? In other words, it uses the movement of claiming or acquiring or owning, and with this slight transfer of ownership, it lives in mine. And once something is mine, I have a lot of opinions about it. It should be better. Yeah? Or an opinion of yours, it should be mine. <laughs> That's, you know, when I used to see a lot of drugs and there was someone else's, I thought they should be my drugs. <laughs> and it was really pissed me off when they wouldn't freely give me dried my drugs because they thought they were my drugs also from their point of view. <laughs> so the freedom obviously is not out here or we would have run across it, don't you think? A lot of us have been seeking for a long, long time. Not one of us has come back and said, Eureka, I found it. It's in Yosemite. 4,000 feet elevation on a day in spring when the sun's near the equinox and if we're sitting there, it's going to be fucking great for that one day. Yet, there's a lot of traffic going to Yosemite. There's bears and shit like that. But don't worry. We can set up the situation where we'll feel freaking great. For how long? We have a little joke in uh, recovery. If you drop an alcoholic into heaven, it'll be hell in a day. You know what I mean? It'll just give bad meaning to things immediately. When it's everything's fine, it's dying to find something wrong with it. <laughs> it wants to be relevant and right and special. And it may have different ideas of specialists than you do, really. And it may it may find relevance where you would think it would suck, but it may find great relevance there. It's like, it's shit. I mean, it's like gourmet meal may be what you call your shit. It has an agenda, a very strong agenda. And it's sort of, if you want to construe yourself as a host, it easily overrides the host by convincing the host that it's the parasite. Yeah? So... When this thought system is expressing through here, interpreting this place, yes, 
co-opting every feeling, every stimuli, everything that comes into the field of consciousness, and it is not conscious, the mental process is not conscious, it's an activity in consciousness, when it claims the act of being the thinker, the feeler, the haver, the doer of all actions, it sets off on a, on a, a story of interpretation that excretes or takes out one natural resource out of that life, and that's the living of it. You now take an interpretation to be what you call living. Yeah. Instead of living, you go home and think about it, and you think that's living. Instead of being in the moment, you rather go through it as quickly as possible so you can ruminate over it and see what I could have done better. Or sort of garner some guilt or harvest some guilt and shame out of what you omitted when you shouldn't have omitted it. Yeah, it's just, it's unbelievable. Activity, because it has to stay busy or you'll see that it's not so. Yeah. If something is an appearance, then what's producing the appearance has to keep producing the appearance or the appearance won't happen, yes? If the appearance isn't... So any appearance to get a sense of being real, has to be reinforced, has to be promoted, has to be prioritized, has to suck in a lot of interest and attention. Because without interest and attention, you'd realize you're not that. Seriously. Now, if you have interest and attention in that realization as a self, that it will use that interest and attention in the most incredible, worthy spiritual journey, and you'll never go anywhere. <laughs> Because everywhere you go, you'll construe yourself as a self-going. Yeah? And any movement, in a sense, any movement from everywhere, with the hopes of going somewhere, causes us to forget everywhereness. Yeah? We now think it's a special somewhere that I'm going to find by my own actions, and maybe a little grace here and there. But basically, it's up to me to know God. Yeah? If God is God, it can inform him. It could break into your little information channel and sort of inform you of its presence. <laughs> yeah. You don't have the power to block God out. <laughs> you know what I mean? You may be playing God, but that's nothing like God. Yeah. <laughs> I wish this realization would change all my behavior. It never does. I'm still an asshole. <laughs> I do whatever I do. But the fact, the great news is I don't feel like I'm the doer of it. So everything that used to be tattooed in memory is just like a, something written in sand. The tides of time and weather just remove it. Yeah. No matter how deep I try to put the groove in, the weather and the waves will just erase everything. No matter the greatest scripture... Or the greatest, you know, curse. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. All of it erased, yes? When you have it in memory, it becomes like ironclad. You freaking freeze it. You take it out of the moment and put it into the mental realm of time. It crystallizes. And then what happens is, it becomes almost like an altar, the selfing. And then your attention and interest and, and the begetter of thoughts arise and then you think a lot about it. And that's like mental worship, yeah? Some people say spiritual worship would be meditation or prayer. Thinking is mental worship, yeah? Believing you're the thinker is the true devotee to mind, yeah? And if you have faith in a failed system, what's your experience going to be like here as you travel? Anxiety-ridden. Yeah? Because you deep down know it ain't going to work out. <laughs> and no matter how times you go, how many times you go back to the well, and you, I don't care if you get the most most incredible Buddhist bucket, you're not pulling up any water. You can throw a, a Kabbalah bucket uh, and a shamanistic bucket; it's all going to be empty. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that will be refreshed and what the only thirst that will be quenched is a mental thirst which is never satiated the desire to know is never finished by a question yeah 
It never hears its last answer. It's always asking for more. It's always looking for more. It's not looking for an answer. It's looking for more questions. So instead of, you know, seeking for peace as the self, you know, I found the peace is from it. It's not for it or as it. It's from it. If I'm identified as this idea of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, then I'm trying to seek peace as that. I'm trying to seek uh, realization for that. It's never going to happen. Yeah? It eats realizations like Wheaties in the morning. You can, have his, you can have an incredible revelation this morning and you'll be fucked tonight. Really. You can have an epiphany and you forget it. I had a moment of clarity the, the day before I... I well, actually, the, yeah, the day I got sober, yeah, I had a moment of clarity. I mean, it was profound. It stopped the whole engine of my selfing mechanism... And it took a lady an hour and a half to drive from San Francisco to save me in Calistoga. By the time she arrived, I was alcoholically recovered. I wanted to get loaded again. The moment of clarity was totally forgotten. (laughs) At the moment, you could have said it was the most profound event. What? It was gone. It had no relevance whatsoever. It was like a minor speed bump. (laughs) Just being, just kept on going. To me, grace and mind are synonymous. Grace and mind are synonymous. I would say there's aspects of modality of mind that we're very unaware of. And we're not not in access to it, yeah? So we're living in a life being dictated and interpreted from a point of view called self-centeredness. So it always has something to do with you. And that's actually the dilemma. The imaginary (coughs) dilemma because you're not that you. But it can seem as real as real can be as you're identified as it. Yeah, I remember when I was young, I like to use this example because uh, I was a kid. My, I had a mother and father and a grandmother and everything was going the way it was going. And then uh, my father got really sick when I was six years old. And so he couldn't do what he used to do with me. Couldn't play with me, couldn't throw the ball around. Yeah, My mother started having to take his role, take me to tryouts and stuff. And you know, my my mother probably talked to me about dad's got really ill. He can't take you to the park today. And uh, they maybe the I think they brought the family doctor to talk to all of the kids, Doctor Jan Quinto. And I may have been nodding and hearing it, but I my the real thing that hurt it was self-centeredness. And I said I must have done something wrong for my father not to want to play with me. That was it. I couldn't get over that. Yeah, because of self-centeredness. If you believe that you're it and you hear a message of beauty and love and perfection and your daily experience is quite the contrary, it seems like people are vindictive, nasty, and stuff like that quite a lot, you cannot deal, you can't uh, handle the disparity, yes? Who's going to be blamed in that? You, somehow. In The Course in Miracles, they talk about it. I don't know if I'm missing it or not, because I haven't looked at it in a long time, but they would talk about the inherent guilt based on separation, yeah? So let's say I'm, there's a sense in all of us of the oneness of life, you know, when someone says, talks about love and bliss, there's a feeling in many people it triggers like an unspoken yes. It's like knowing prior to knowing, yeah? You get a sense of it. And yet, when you see you go home and you yell at the paper boy and you, you know, you breaking into your girlfriend's email or whatever, you know, you're stalking somebody. It's like a real, it's a disconnect, yeah? And then he would say that this idea of God and you, yeah, the you is the premise of separation from God. So that you, in a sense, feels like it did something to separate from God, and what a big boo-boo that was, <laughs> Yeah? And it has an incredible layer of guilt and shame concerning that and that alone. Everything else is just horseplay to it. It's actually trying to dump guilt everywhere else. But it has this feeling that I must have had something to do with this place being this way, but it could be that way. Yeah, That's the whole essence of self-centeredness. And if you're identified as a self, you cannot escape from that consequence. 
there's going to be a deep feeling that you have something to do in a sense of being the cause of this sense of separation. Even in your own intimacy with another or anything like that, it's always going to be brought back to you after all the blame and the rationalizations. They're just ways of trying to throw it off of you. But it always lands back on the same branch, the sense of being the long-lasting, independent, separate entity, the feeling of being a doer. I must have done something for this to be this way. Yeah. Try to get out of it. That's all seeking is. All seeking, all addictions are attempting to get out of the prior, the primary addiction, which is the mind's addiction to being a self. And if the mind is addicted to being a self, it believes it's almost like the cause of separation. And look at what separation brings people. Try to get a therapist for that. Not to come back for lifetimes. The original guilt of feeling like you're separate from God. Woo! <laughs> the whole point is it's an impossibility. That's the good news. It's an impossibility. You can't get out of a problem because it's imaginary. That's the whole point. Why do you think all these things seem to fail? Is it because you're not a good enough practitioner? It's not you don't have enough sincerity. It's always based on you, isn't it? Every failed path you've taken, sooner or later it's brought on you. I, I would have only done it better. It would have worked. No, you cannot escape from an imaginary problem. Yeah? All the escaping from an imaginary problem is the activity of the problem. Every freaking exit sign and your urge to go out it is part and parcel of the problem. It's not a problem as if it's in Idaho and you can move. It's a mental activity. The mental activity is I'm in something that I, that's impossible to be in. It's entertaining impossibilities and making them probabilities. And once it takes that impossibility and makes it so, it riffs on it. Yeah? Look at it. It's like John Coltrane. If you walked into a jazz place and, hey, John, hey, here's a theme. Play this. Separation. All right. You know, I'm looking for love and never find it. And you're the source of love. Give me a fucking break. You know what I mean? I mean, it could come up with unbelievable, exquisite, fabricated charades of suffering, and all based on the premise that you're separate from your source. How could that possibly be? Yeah. Every moment this charade's going on, what's the lighting company for it to be seen? Awareness. The self couldn't even appear to be you unless there was light that it could appear to be you in. Without the light, there would be no movie. There would be no play. This drama would be over. Yeah? What's the bringer of the light? You? What's seeing right now? Is it me? Can I actually see what's seeing? Can I actually hear what's hearing right now? I'm saying, can you actually hear what's hearing? Can you actually conceive what's conceiving? You can't get behind. You are, you, me and you, the feeling of being you, me and you is like square five of the game board. And when we look at, try to look at square one, that's square six of the game board. Yeah, We're even farther away because now we're seeking it. And the more we go towards it, the farther down the game board we're on. We're wondering, Jesus Christ, why am I in Baltic Place? I thought I was going to Tibet. <laughs> it just pulls you. You're going one, you think you're going one way, and it's actually going the other way. <laughs> but you, you're, you're going to be that boot. You're going to be that Eiffel Tower. I just want to be moved to risk. Or some other game. No, the Eiffel Tower and Monopoly are, are symbiotic. There ain't no Monopoly without the Eiffel Tower, and there's no Eiffel Tower without the Monopoly. Yeah? Without the awareness of actions, there couldn't be the idea that you're the doer. There'd be no way you could, the mind could put those things together without light. Yeah? Without light of awareness. The whole trance is brought to you by light, really. The whole seeming darkness is promoted, brought to us by light, because light is neutral. It's indiscriminate. 
It doesn't have an opinion about what's happening within it. It's like this guy. This guy doesn't say no to an American airline plane and say yes to, you know, Pan American. It doesn't have any discrimination. Everything flies in it, yeah? All this stuff appears in it, yet not one thing's affecting sky, yeah? A bird takes a shit, it never lands on sky. You don't see, oh, Jesus, the whole sky is shitted up, you know? It's like there's no wall of sky that the birds could fire their shit on. It only just drops onto a thing, a place, a solidity. We're, we're taking ourselves to be this when we're of that, yeah? Like Jesus says, you're in this, let's say, world, but you're not of the world. So you, you're in this game, seemingly, but you're not of it. Your nature is not of this. Your nature is of what's bringing the game about, what's allowing it to occur, what's giving it to a space to appear in. Yeah? Why not let a little bit of that become an influence? The little bit of that, the sky, if the sky was brought down, it may... It may uh, chill out the earth. The earth may not be so heavy if it had a little sense of sky. Yeah. In recovery, we say rule 62, don't take yourself so seriously. You can't take the self more seriously than calling it you. <laughs> There's no fucking way. I mean, <laughs> you know, <laughs> in the reco- in Course in Miracles, they say lesson two is you and I give everything all the meaning it has. The biggest meaning mind could give anything is it's you. Much bigger than the meaning of God. Much bigger than that. Yeah? God doesn't seem anywhere around you unless you want to start knowing it. Yeah? You're the bringer forth of God. You bring forth God. That ain't God. <laughs> what can be brought forth can't be it. It's prior from any bringing forth. It's already so. It's not in the act of completion. It's not in the act of accumulation. It's not in the act, the act of purifying. It's not in the act of authenticating. It's already so. It's got nothing to prove. It doesn't need any advertising. It is. Yeah. When mind reflects that, it takes on the nature of what it reflects. That nature of emptiness is what you would call peace, like a still pond. Yeah, Its surface now can reflect anything and everything, yet it doesn't get sullied by what it's reflecting. That's what mind is like. Its nature is to reflect. Like they say, its essence is emptiness, its nature is to reflect, and its manifestation is energy, which is this is what energy is. It's manifesting. It can't be created nor destroyed. It just appears, disappears, and appears as things. But it doesn't, it's like the toaster isn't making the toast. Yeah? The blender isn't blending the food. It's the electricity. They just facilitate. They translate, right, the, the energy of electricity for a certain function. That's what we're doing, this is. This is, uh, light is moving through, and this mechanism, the brain, translates the light in a certain format called self-centeredness, duality. That's what it is. We're sitting... Sometimes people think they're a observer. Then they think they're in the auditorium watching the movie. And let's say they even see themselves in a movie. Ramana Maharshi said this. He says, all right, you're in the theater, and you're thinking everything is unreal. You're seeing it all. But you're sitting in the auditorium thinking you're real. He says the circle's bigger than that. You sitting in the auditorium being the observer of what's unreal is also unreal. Yeah? There's no way you are going to be an authentic you. It's not like the 15th uh, ring of a realization. Then you have to deny self, deny self. Then authentic self appears. No, I don't see it that way. There is no, there is no sense of a long-lasting independent entity. There's a sense, but it doesn't come into truth. The mind has a desire to become or unbecome, but it can never be. It can never be a long-lasting independent separate entity because it's inherently something other than that. Its nature is of light or awareness, of nothingness. It can't forget that and become a thing. That's why the mind keeps going off all the time. It's like an unfulfilled desire that's never given up. It's constantly trying to become, and then it has a tricky way of becoming, which is unbecoming what it believes it is. So I'm a fraud. I want to unbecome that. They're both phony. 
the thing that you want to become and then what you're thinking you are and you want to unbecome, they're both just tricks of mind. Hold on. And you're going up and down like a slinky. You know? Become, unbecome, become, unbecome, become, unbecome. But it's all becoming and unbecoming. There's never a point where there's rest. I shot dope. I'm telling you. I shot a lot of dope. I shot a lot of coke. A lot of coke. And I'll tell you, I was a true devotee. I'd match my devotion to drugs with any spiritual devotee in the world. Hanuman, all those freaking things. I was right in that same league. I surrendered everything. I lived constantly for that. I'd give up anything of mine, anything of yours. I was totally devoted to it. And it produced no transcendence. You can't transcend out of an imaginary problem. You can't shoot yourself out of it. You can't meditate yourself out of it. You can't scripturize yourself out of it because you're not in it. And I'll tell you, all the shots, it wasn't one day I did a shot and I said, oh, that's enough. Oh, I've reached it. I, thank you, cocaine. Thank you. You served me. I'm now satiated. Now I've got that, that part of my life stabilized. Let's have a, you know, let me see what I can contribute to other people's lives now. <laughs> no, one but got shot, beget another shot, beget another shot, beget another shot, beget another shot, and there was no end to it. Yeah? The same thing here. These are just mirroring the original addiction, which is mind being addicted to the idea of being a self. This is unfulfilled, so it tries to fill up that unfulfillment by addictions, which also cause you to be less fulfilled. You get emptier and emptier. The more you try to fill it up, the emptier you feel. I swear. The more drugs you take, it brings you to a point of feeling extremely empty. It produces the exact opposite of what you're thinking. Why? It's like if you, if you were trying to fill up an imaginary hole, you were building a mountain. Yeah? With the idea there's a hole here I've got to fill up. You know, a mountain would appear. That's when it finally hit me. First of all, it hit, and the grace hit me before this understanding. The grace hit me, and I realized, Jesus Christ. Though a great story, all this running around like crazy is actually pledging allegiance to what I'm trying to deny. I'm right in the mix because there isn't a place called self. There isn't a thing called self. It's a mental activity called selfing. And my interest and attention is totally wedded to it. And one of its prized little tricks or trips it offers you is the spiritual journey. Yes, it may take lifetimes. Can you imagine if someone said, all right, I'm, I'm going to sell you a ticket to Costa Rica. But it may take lifetimes for you to get there. So you better plan ahead. You know, get a lot of sunscreen. When am I going to go? Mate, lifetimes. You're not finished purifying. You say, fuck, give me my money back. But he, okay, sure, sure. What more do I need to do? Stand on your head 12 hours a day. You know? All right, sure, anything. How about nothing? How about trying nothing? Yeah? How about it? It could be a radical idea. Jesus, I've been trying something for so long, it all ended up as nothing when I told it all up. Why not start with nothing? Yeah? Sit here, okay. Like someone wrote me an email. You could be progressing. You could be doing so much. I say, I don't want to do anything. I'm fucking up tired of progressing. I am. There'll be another. If you run, if you think the race ends at the 30th lap, they add 31 and then 32. And then when you're getting bored, they just change the scenery. And you think it's a new lap, a new girlfriend. Oh, this is totally different. Why? Well, her name is Sue. Oh, oh all right. Sure. Same, it must be really different. <laughs> same, same, same. You have to see it. It's an engine. It's not looking to be shut down. It's not looking for a parking place. It wants to keep revving. Yeah. And our interest and attention is its fuel, and it seems to have our interest and attention because it presents itself as you. Yeah? It infers you. It points to a phantom you. And we can't, you know, when someone says, like, you know, like we used to talk about, if you had a marquee at, at this building and you had a... The story of Paul there, yeah? Now, like, 48 people would come, all named Paul, with the hopes that it was their story, and a couple of girlfriends who wanted to be right about Paul, ex-girlfriends, and they'd all come, and everyone would be really interested 
in the hopes that it was going to be about them. They'd be excited. They wouldn't care if the jujubes were stale and the popcorn sucked and the, the theater smelled. They would all that be forgotten because they were really interested. As soon as the movie started and they realized it wasn't about them, they want out. They say, these jujubes suck. That's exactly what's happening here. We can't even take an honest appraisal of where we're at because it's drenched in specialness. It fucking sucks a lot of time. I'm holding out. I'm going to arrive one day. No, you're not. It's not going to get better. No. And if it does, it ain't about you at all. So maybe it's about stopping. And then if you know and realize what you take yourself to be is not, cannot stop, because when it stops, it's totally not so. It has to keep moving to appear to be so. The last place it wants to do is rest. I swear to God, it does not want to rest. It wants to have a lot of massages, but it doesn't want any real rest. Yeah. So if that is... <laughs> but if I'm not that, find out. There may be a place or an aspect of life that can be accessed that may have a stabilizing quality that's not affected by the turbulence here. Yeah. And there's a place after... Sometimes when I'm here, I can't get to the truth, and then I stop, pause, and suddenly the truth things, and what would have gone 40 hours is done in a minute. You just say the truth, and it feels like the truth. You just, and the whole charade drops, you know, like that. And then what you're left with? Oh, the possibility of everything. You live, you lose the jewel of specialness and being right, yeah? But I always found out me being right caused me to be alone and unhappy. <laughs> so, because I'd much rather give up the drive to be right with the possibility that I can be happy. Yeah, so. There is a solution, there is. The problem's imaginary. It doesn't mean it doesn't have effects. It has a lot of effects. The more you believe in it, like Jesus says, it's done according to your belief. So you're being done. <laughs> you're being done up according to your belief. You know? If you really feel you need to do something for something else to be available or possible, you better do that because the mind is in the act of playing God and it's going to be the gatekeeper. It's going to make what's always available at all times, it's going to, be made, it's going to put it in a special place and maybe give you like visitation rights every month for five minutes. That's why they say the gateless gate. That's why they say the open secret. It's attempting to imply, wait a minute, how could there be a toll booth at a gateless gate? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how could it be a secret if it's open, that it's available to everyone? How could it be? A, yeah, that's it. <laughs> the possibility that it's already so at all times, right where we are with no requirement necessary. Yeah, yeah. What immediately becomes important when there's a requirement? You. Yeah, isn't it? Once there's a requirement, you become important. Once there's a lot of requirements, and let's say someone were like 4,000 years old, then a real big you yeah, happens. Let's say I have like chronic sinusitis right now. Yeah? Let's just say it's activity going on in my body. Through the talk, it's totally forgotten. How real is it? How real is it? If I can have something to the moment I get and sit down here that's taking, sucking up most of my interest and attention, and then suddenly be totally relieved of it with no thought or effort on my part, and with me not taking any medication or anything like that, totally relieved from it, and then even if it returns, how real could it possibly be? It must be an ongoing appearance that can be cut off like that and then kicked back up. But the beauty of it is to hold it as an appearance, because then the reality of it starts being removed from it, yes? 
it doesn't minimize its effects, it just minimizes its reality. And then when the effects are minimized, then what's being affected gets minimized. And then what starts becoming obvious, which wasn't obvious, is maybe what you are, which is the light that brings about all these possibilities. All these, I mean, I hear people share with me, they are in a, they're in a perfect vice of trouble. Yeah? It's like an airtight case. They cannot get out. That's the, the whole wisdom is of no escape. Yeah? They can't, they'll go on for 20 minutes, and I say, afterwards, I say, yeah, you're fucked. <laughs> I mean, seriously, what do you, there's nothing you can do. Everything you do just promotes more stickiness. It's like a fly trying to get off the fly paper. If you, the more, you more stuck, yeah? And then your wings get pulled somehow. Along. Yeah, you're fucked. Maybe that's the door out. Yeah. Maybe that's not the door to run away from. Maybe just to admit, hey. I'm screwed. Yeah. And see what the child mind tries to make out of that. Watch it, watch it. The mind is busily making something out of nothing every second, every freaking second. The first thing that there's an awareness of is nothing. Yeah? Nothing. The mind is seeing nothing. There is no thingness. That is the condition. Awareness. Yeah? The mind immediately moves from there. It, first of all, it, it neuters it by saying, I'm the one who's conscious. Yeah? So therefore, that's over. Now consciousness, instead of a state, becomes something that can be developed or undeveloped. And so it's, in your, it's under your purview now. It's, once again, there's God playing with God, or if you want to call it, yeah? But that pause that you have sometimes in life is just what's actually so, yeah? All the movement of appearances and mental appearances and physical appearances and feeling appearances and energetic appearances at one moment, at any time, can be overridden by the sense of the pause, like the context of all, yeah? And it can be an incredible deafening moment of silence, and it has such an it can have such a download in your life that you've had the greatest realization like in between a yawn and a fart. Yeah, you were sitting there yawning, and then some. It does. It wasn't in like near a rainbow or a waterfall. It was just in mind. Yeah. So. Well, any questions today? It's nice. I get a suntan. It's like a full-service situation. We had the little satsang bus today. Picked up everybody. Do a talk. Get a nice suntan. Get to have probably a coffee and lunch through the donations. How bad can it be? <laughs> <laughs> no question. Yeah. And it did not appear. Yeah. And then I think you said something in effect that the sinus situs was just an appearance. How do you go from there? You don't need to go from there. Just hold that. Well, that's it. Like, I know I don't deal with things well, so I have to find masters here. You have to what? Find masters. Like, my, my uh, thought system about physical condition is usually what I tend to think is good is usually the exact opposite. So I can't rely on any kind of what I would call intuition in other aspects of my life. The intuition has sta got static in it. So i got to go to masters. So I... I uh, go to people who, uh, and I ask their opinion, and I take their opinion more highly than mine, in most cases. Yeah. But I was more, the thing had nothing to do with the sinus titus. It was about a gripping physical condition 
that can seem to totally disappear when something uh, preempts it. Yeah, I'm saying that what preempted it in this experience is always preempting it. Yeah, always the possibility it's always preempting it. Yeah, what so preempts appearances? <laughs> yeah, we just had I just had a very strong experience of that, but it's not an experience to me. The experience is secondary. It's the state of it that's really juicy. Yeah, because then if you're in that state. All appearances start diminishing their effects. Yeah? In other words, you travel lighter over things. Yes? Yeah. Here we are trapped. And so there's really almost no responsibility. And you lose choice and responsibility. It, bring, it comes in as much as you bring it in. Yeah? you think you have choice, I would exert it. Really. If you think like you really need to do something, then you better do it. Responsibility to me is more about accountability. When I was responsible, I avoided almost everything. When I'm accountable, when I'm accountable I show up. But when I was responsible, I was overly responsible. And my answer to that was to avoid it all. <laughs> it was way too much, yeah? So accountability works better for me. So it's like when you're in when you're in Rome, do as the Romans do. You know, you render unto Caesar's what Caesar's. You're in a game board, and so the boot and the Eiffel Tower are going to run into each other, and it's going to get messy. So you make amends. You do this. You do that here. But there's no sense. There isn't any solid you doing it all. It's just the mind doing it. Yeah. And usually the mind doing it here is very constrained by conditioning. You have certain predilections that you may have the greatest attention not to be an asshole, but you're going to be the asshole to most people. Or at least that's how they're going to view you. Yeah. So here, here a lot of our behavior is defined by conditioning. Yes? Yeah? The place to get relief from it is not a giant transformation of behavior, but in looking at who's the one that's doing the behavior. I found much more relief going that way. Yeah? Because if I, if I start doing good here, then I'll seem to always do bad somewhere else. There's never... Everyone's dirty here. Yeah? There's no pure being walking around here. The pure beingness is there is no doer. There's no pure being as a doer. Yeah? Yeah, I'm looking at porno or doing something else. You know what I mean? Not me. I'm not talking personally, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> you see, so if you feel like you have a choice, then do the next right thing. It's just a feeling. Who says there can't be a feeling of free will and determination? Predetermination. But even the feeling that I have choice is an illusion. It could be, but you're still going to think you have it. So do it. <laughs> yeah. The mechanism is going to feel it has choice. That's its programming. We're trying to change the mechanism as if it's us. Realize it's not you, and leave the mechanism alone. Yeah, and it will find. It'll find. You know, it's like water. It will reach its source, its level. Yeah. If you're a little uncivilized, you'll hopefully will be drawn to get you know socialized a little more. But the whole idea is, there's nothing wrong with seeking. It's the sense of being the seeker that gets sticky. Yeah. Everyone's seeking here. We're not saying, and we're not saying. I'm not saying you're trapped. I'm saying the feeling of you is the trap. Yeah. I'm saying the feeling of you when it feels like it's trapped is still a trap when it feels like it's free. Yeah. I'm saying the you is the trap, not as it, not its experience, but I'm taking it back from the dualistic experience of free and trap, and saying who is it that's free and who is it that's trapped? That's where the freedom lies. Yeah. Not in this. Yeah, because it's things go both ways here. Yeah, in a way, you can't have what you would call all good all the time. So I just like to go back to who's having it. Just like if you have fifty problems, there's one you that's having them. I mean, wouldn't that sort of pique your curiosity? Jesus, I'm a real problem solver. Oh yeah. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.
<laughs> the feeling of being a problem solver is a really big problem. <laughs> It's just like taking it back. Why not? We're at square five. We got a lot of room that way. <laughs> That's the question. Maybe go to pre-boot, yeah, pre-Eiffel Tower, and take a look. Yeah, what came before the Eiffel Tower? What came before the boot? What seemingly precedes it? I'd say light, isn't it, or awareness? Without conscious contact, would you have a life? Without consciousness being in contact with this place, would you think like you were here? There'd be no sense of being here if you weren't in conscious contact with it, yeah? I would say consciousness is what's living, not us. I would say consciousness facilitates its experience through this apparatus. It's like the toaster is making toast by the electricity. If, it, if the toaster starts thinking it's making the toast, it'll, it'll start denying, like, I know I'm not going to toast rye bread. It's, just a, it's a moral question. I don't like where it came from. Pump the nickel, forget about it. I'm not doing it. Yeah? And I'm a terrible... Look at how light this toast is. I was on nine. I didn't... Fuck. I'm a terrible toaster. This is what happens when the energy is mistaken for what allows it to function. Yeah? We're taking the, we're taking the facilitator as being the doer and the haver. It's just facilitating. Yeah? It's like a... It's like a vehicle in a sense. It's like a mechanism. It's like undifferentiated light comes through and then differentiates. And then you have this incredible experience of being in a place as a unique individual, having tons of experiences, running into other unique individuals, yeah? But all brought to you by the light. And every aspect of light still is undifferentiated. It's just appearing to be different from the appearances, yeah? If you broke down everything that's appearing, it would be the same light. But... In the appearance, our minds get sort of confused. We, f we can't see the light anymore because we're not seeing with the one eye, the single eye of mind. We're seeing it with the dualistic eyes, which are built to perceive things. We're not built to see nothing. We're built to see things. So our mind, this apparatus facilitates the seeing of things, the holding of things, the being of a thing, yeah? If that's all, where all the intent, interest and attention is resting in, nothingness is going to be seeming like it's nothing. It's not going to have any real effect in our day. We may be entertaining it, but we're, we're entertaining it as a thing called enlightenment or awakening or something like that. Those are things. Those are mental ideas. They're things, yeah? We're saying maybe... If the eye be single, your body will be full of light because that's what your body is. The body of what you are is full of light. Yeah? Undifferentiated light. Moving through and differentiating into all this. Yeah? But if they, even in science, when they break it down, where does it all go to? Nothing. <laughs> Everything is space. Yeah? I think it would just sort of alleviate a lot of suffering if a little more space was brought into the thingness of this place. Yeah? And why not start with this thing instead of all those things? <laughs> I wish you'd loosen up and lighten up. No, question this thing maybe. Maybe this thing begets all the meaning that thing has. I would say so. I would say this is giving you all the meaning it has. So why would I want to try to change you? Why well, just change this and then you'll miraculously change to me? Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, it's not—it's not like it's not like a noble endeavor. It's just uh, entertaining a possibility. See where it takes you. Yeah, find out. I would say most people that have been coming here, I hope, are traveling lighter on a consistent level. What more do you freaking want? We're not asking you to go on pilgrimages. You come for two hours a week, throw a couple bucks in. Oh, Jesus Christ! This is, the most, this is the heaviest spiritual practice I've ever done, doing nothing. I don't even have to go there. I go, let's say, once a year. And then I report in, hey, I'm traveling light. All right, see you. There you go. Wow, this is a great. This is like hands-off practice. You know? Don't do anything. There's so many lifestyles. There's tons of them already. Yeah, we don't need another lifestyle, do we? We already have lifestyles. There's Buddhism, Judaism, recovery, everything. What we need is illumination. We need that lifestyle to be illuminated. Not from the lifestyle. We don't need to plant 
put lights in the garden of the lifestyle, we need to realize we're the sun. Bring a little light in from where we are. Yeah, instead of trying to get all this artificial light. Yeah, you illuminate your own life. Sometimes it's not pretty what you see, but you see it. That's the beauty of it. You freaking see it for once. Then the thinking may ensue, but there's a seeing, a distinct difference in seeing it than thinking about it. It's totally different, totally different. And in that seeing is revelation. In the thinking, it's interpretation. And the interpretation is never going to be revelatory. It's going to be the same old, same old, just with different objects. Yeah? But seeing is revelatory. Yes? Any more questions? One, two, three.